This is Jocko Underground Podcast, sitting here with Echo Charles. Kind of going off the last Underground Podcast that we did, and I was talking about, you know, basically things are bothering people. You can let things get under your skin. So there's a, a song by a band called Black Flag. The, the song is called Rise Above, and... The lyrics, I got the lyrics. I wrote down some of the lyrics here. Jealous cowards try to control. Rise above, we're gonna rise above. They distort what we say. Rise above, we're gonna rise above. Try and stop what we do. Rise above, we're gonna rise above. That's the general consensus of the song, general theme of the song, right? Uh, Black Flag was sort of the, it's one of the pioneers of making punk rock and kind of turning it into hardcore, Mm. which is too, small musical genres and so therefore black flag had a pretty big influence on my life had a pretty big influence on the music that i listened to a lot of the music that i listened to wouldn't really exist if it wasn't for black flag greg ginn um that album that that song came out on rise above it's called damaged this is the first album that they put out with henry rollins singing well I maybe a couple a month ago or something, it popped up on my playlist, you know, Hell yeah. and I was rocking, and I realized how important that idea is for so many situations that we get into now. And and the idea I'm talking about isn't really what the song is about. What the song is about is sort of like a rebellion song, like we're gonna rise up against them. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I get that that's what the song is about. The song is about don't let the man keep you down. (laughs) Don't let the man keep you down. We're going to rise above. That's what the song is about. Mm -hmm. And I get it. Cool. But I I kind of was heard the song the other day and I started thinking about it from another angle. And it's really the angle that I always took it as. I never really thought about the political angle, which is what it is. And it's us against them. It's a rebellion song. I always, I never really thought about the man. I kind of think of it in a more personal, in the way it applies to our personal lives. And I was talking with Jason Gardner because Jason Gardner is an old uh, punk rocker, hardcore kid like me. And we were talking about the other day and I was saying that, you know, that song has a lot of application in life. And we started talking about it just because it's a great mantra, rise above. Because in life, if you're not careful, there are an infinite number of things that will drag you down as a person. Whether it's your own ego, whether it's other people's petty egos, whether it's stupid arguments that are taking place, whether it's little slights against you, those little shots. Random little emotional attacks, either from you or other people. Little political maneuvering that's going on. They're going to get that thing. They're going to get that look. Jockeying for meaningless positions or credit. Like all these little things that can absolutely distract you. They can bother you. They can drive you crazy. They can waste a bunch of your time and effort. And all you need to do... All you need to do is rise above. 
just rise above. And that's what I realized, I was, I was listening to this, I, this has probably been a mantra that I've had in my head since I was a teenager. Just this idea, and look, and I would say that the, the, the older I got, the more I was actually able to rise above. But I do it a lot, I try and do it a lot. And it, it will certainly make your life easier and better if you don't get caught up in little things that you can't control and that don't actually matter anyways. Rise above. Easier said than done. I know, I get it. But maybe this will help you get there. Just a little mantra. After I told Jason about it, like for the next three days we were together, like every time I'd see him, he'd be like, rise above, (laughs) rise above. Because it is, it's a good song, man. It's a good song. And it's a good song to keep in your head. Mm. It's also nice because what's nice about it is it's 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 an aggressive song. Mm-hmm. So you can get out some of the angst that you're feeling that you have to rise above. Rise above. Rise above. And then it and then it can kind of mellow you out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my recommendation. Mm. So All right. Let's get to some Q and A. Q and A. Rise above. Rise above all day. All right, first question. Hey guys, I'm writing this note. There are three former Marines driving across the country to pick up a brother in need of help. He's a dear friend and Afghan combat vet. This story starts back a few years when the friend in question decided to sell his house and set out to explore the country with nothing but his van and his dog. He chose this path after his role within a company was abruptly eliminated. How can we help a man who's now destitute, homeless, and likely too proud to ask for help? Within the past few months, he seemingly lost everything, including his vehicle got impounded and German shepherd to the humane society. He clearly, he clearly, he needs a new mission and purpose in life, but to what extent do we push him if he's not willing to help himself? Thank you for considering possible action steps. He's a guy who's been there for many of us during our darkest days and we're all heartbroken to learn of his current state. Um, man, uh, tough question, tough situation, horrible to hear. Again, going off of what you've written, I've got to. I don't have all the answers because I don't have all the answers because no one has all the answers. But also, just just not really fully understanding the situation that you're in, the situation that your friends are in. What kind of resources do you have to offer him? Right, because that that plays a role, And, and and the way it plays a role in my mind is it sounds like this dude needs to get basically extracted from his current environment, right? Extracted from his current environment and put into a reset scenario. Because bad decision, like okay decision, maybe a little bit of a bad decision, didn't quite go right, bad luck over here, more bad luck, bad decision here, and all of a sudden we end up in a situation where we're, we're, it's gonna be really hard to dig ourselves out of. It's gonna be hard for him to dig himself out of. That's what it sounds like. Destitute, homeless, right? That's that's horrible to hear. So do you and your friends have the capability, have the capacity, have the resources to extract him somehow from his current situation and put him into a more positive one that gives him a chance at some kind of a reset? So, you know, are you a single dude 
where you could take him and, hey, you're gonna live in my basement. You're gonna come and live in my extra room. You're gonna set up shop in my yard. We'll put a tent out there for you. Where we get him out of this terrible situation that he's in. New environment. Is he on drugs? Is he drinking? Does he need rehab? Right? Because if he needs rehab, we gotta get him to rehab. Because otherwise, it's just, a, it's, just a, a, it's an addiction. It's called an addiction for a reason. I've sent friends to rehab. So is he in a situation where he needs professional help from an alcohol drug perspective? That might be the reset that he needs. And by the way, that's a hard reset. Not hard as in like a hard reset. What we say in the military, a hard reset is where you know exactly where you are. This is a hard reset because it's really challenging because most people that go to rehab, they don't stay clean. It takes three, four, five trips over a successive period of time to get to a point where you have control over these demons. So it's not you go, oh, we're gonna send you to rehab and then you don't have to worry about him. No, it's you send him to rehab, he does 21 or 30 or 35 or 45 days in rehab, which costs a bunch of money, by the way. Now the VA should be able to help out. But when that's over, where where's he going? And do you or your friends have the capacity? If you got a family, you know, can he come and stay in the in the yard? Can he come and stay in the in the garage? What can we do to, to get him out of his current environment? And how much capacity do you have? So I, I think those are the kind of action steps that I think I would take if I was in this situation. Pull the guy out of the darkness that he's in. Let's get him on the path if you have the capability of doing that or if between your three friends you have the capability of doing that. He, he needs to have people around him, right? Um, here's one of the things that's gonna be challenging here. Just like I, I, I always say, hammering him or punching him in the face with the truth is not gonna be the best way to get him to get on board. You know, when you say, hey, bro, you're freaking drink, you're, you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic, you're not doing anything, and you start just jumping on him, that's, that's not the best way to give him information. That's not the best way to deliver the truth to him. The way you want him to discover the truth is you want him to discover the truth. You wanna talk to him. You wanna ask him earnest questions about what's going on and have him realize, holy shit, I'm drinking every day. I can't feel, I feel like I can't live without it. I don't feel like I'm in control. I feel like I'm letting my brothers down. You don't wanna say, you're letting, you're letting your brothers down. You want him to say, you know what? I feel like I'm letting you guys down. I feel like I'm letting down the friends that we lost. So when you ask him earnest questions about what's going on, that's where the truth becomes revealed to him by him. And that's gonna help him more than you just punching him in the face with the truth. You're ruining everything, you're wasting your life. Look, that doesn't help. That's not gonna be received the same way. Now, could it get to a point after a while where you, you might have to go that direct route with him? You could. It's not gonna be, it's usually not that effective. So, you have to ask him those questions, get him to see where he comes to the reality himself. And then you say, hey man, we can help you out. Do you wanna come and live in my garage? Do you wanna come and live in my basement? You wanna go live with Fred? Fred's down the street from me. We, you know, let's go. Come work out. In the mornings, I'll pick you up. We'll go, we'll go to the gym and work out. I'm gonna pay your gym bill. 
Come and stay at Fred's house. I'm going to pick you up every morning. 0500, we're going to go work out. We're going to get you back in shape. Get back on track. Oh, and by the way, I need a laborer. My boss needs a laborer at our construction site. Come and start working, man. So what can you do? What can you do to get him and guide him to get back on track? That's what you're looking to do. Now listen, if he doesn't want to help himself, which is your question, if he does not want to help himself, there's not, you can't help him. You can't. He, he will eventually turn away all the help that you offer him and you will end up being an enabler and that's what you, that's what you gotta watch out for. And, and it's awful, it's absolutely awful, but it's the truth. So if he doesn't wanna help himself, if you, if he doesn't see the truth for himself, You can keep you can keep paying his way. You can keep buying him food. You can keep him staying in your garage. He's not going to straighten himself out because he doesn't want to. And at that point, you're enabling him. But let's give him an opportunity. Let's get him a reset. Let's get him on the path. Let's teach him to stay on the path. Because here's the thing, you gotta teach people to be on the path themselves because you don't have the capability of living a good life for someone else. It doesn't work. And it's hard, so hard to understand. It's so hard to see. What's so hard to understand is you're looking from the outside thinking, man, you were a good Marine, you had a good life, you have a lot of skills and capabilities, all you need to do is just you know, stop doing this, stop doing that, and you'll be good to go. And it's so obvious for you, I know it is. And it's so hard to get people to understand that and get them to see that, but that's the goal. Because you can't live his life for him, and you can't hold his hand the whole way. He is gonna have to do it on his own. But let's get him to a point where he recognizes that he's out of this darkness and there's light ahead of him and the only person that's gonna put him back in the dark is him. Semper Fi, and good luck with your bro, man. Yeah, you said it appropriately where that, man, if, if someone doesn't want help, that's like, it's pretty much the closest thing to useless is there is. Yeah. Because like, it's hard. Like you're basically saying, asking someone to do something hard, and they don't even want to do it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. man, what do you? Yeah. Doing? Imagine trying to get someone to work out that doesn't uh, get someone to train jujitsu and like get beat up on the mat and choked, and they don't like, they don't want to do it. Yeah. It's just a freaking not gonna work. Yeah. That's funny. You say the working out. There's a saying: you can lead a man to weights, but you can't make him lift. Yeah, that's true. I made that one a long time ago. But yeah, man. Next question. Jocko Echo. My recent relationship of three years just ended. It ended amicably, although I do feel as though my insecurities led to the end. Because of us breaking up, I have to move back in with my parents as we have to sell our house. We bought the house a year ago, scraping together all our savings for the down payment. On top of this, my car has started breaking down this last week, meaning whatever money I make on the house will have to go to the new, go to a new car. This means I will have to live with my parents until <laughs> I save enough money to get a place of my own again. In short, my life is about to reboot completely. 
I'm suddenly losing my girlfriend, my dog, my cat, my house, my other family, and having to move back in with my parents at almost 30 years old. I want to treat this current situation as a time of growth and self-reflection. I was wondering if you have any advice on how to better myself at in this time. And do you have any tips on how to process all of this enormous change in my life? Well, uh, you know, we just got done talking about a reset and you got a, a reset. You got a reset. And I'll tell you what, here's some good news on your reset. You got a clean break, right? From this person that you were involved with. From what, was your girlfriend? Yeah, you got a clean break. No alimony, no child support, no court drama, none of this other stuff. You got a clean break. I've known probably 40 or 50 people in my life, male and female, that would give anything in the world for a clean break from the relationship that they got bogged down in and cost them money and time and effort and it's just a, it's a disaster. So here you are, not even 30 years old, you got a clean break, man. You got a scot-free. You made money on your house. Yeah. That's a score. That's a complete score. There's a lot of people, when this stuff happens at the wrong time, all of a sudden you're going into bankruptcy. Or not bankruptcy necessarily, but you're definitely going into foreclosure mm-hmm. if, you're, if your house was upside down on the finances. So you're gonna make money on the house. That's a total bonus. Mm-hmm. That means you got money for your car, cool. So that's awesome. The car's gonna get squared away. By the way, your parents have room for you and they live in an area that you can keep your job, right? Because if, if you lived in California, your parents lived in Minnesota and your job was in California, that's a problem. But apparently your parents not only live near your work, they also have room for you to move in, which is awesome. Because now you can save a bunch of money, which is what you said you're gonna do. So f- mindset-wise, I'm kind of fired up. I'm kind of happy for you. I'm not happy for you that you lost your dog. You're, by the way, you can get a new dog and you can train it properly. Cause there's nothing, when you have a good, like I'm sure your dog was cute. I'm sure your dog was fluffy. But if you get a new dog and you start training that thing and you have a well, now you move from a dog to a well-trained dog, that's a different scenario. So that's a positive. We can move that in the right direction. Cat, we don't need another cat, most likely. <laughs> right? You got you got rid of that evil little bastard without even having to worry about it. Um, so the cat's gone. What else? House, like I said, you made money. The other family, okay. That's a bummer. You had some relationships in the other family. You had the relationship with the, with the other person. That's a bummer. Um, sorry about that. Guess what? They're all still alive. You know, they didn't get killed in a freaking car accident. They're gonna carry on with their lives. They're gonna be figure things out. Cool, you have no reason to be sad. We can carry on. So many worse things could have happened than this. And then look, I get it, man. It's you, it's your life, it's harsh. I, I'm, I'm, am I putting a positive spin on this? Hell yes, I am putting a positive spin on this. I'm putting a positive spin on this purposely. Why? Because I know it's rough and I know when it's your life, it's everything in your life and she was everything or he was everything, whatever the case may be. And it seems like it's terrible. Guess what? It's not that bad, to be honest with you. So you want to know if I have any tips 
on how to better yourself this time around? Well, I, yes, I do. You already know what I'm gonna say. I do believe, right? Because you didn't really give us much indication into your life, other than you said, other than you said you had some insecurities. So first of all, let's look at what those are. There's only a certain number of things that that can be. But here's some things that will knock out a whole bunch of insecurities. How about you get on the path? There's not many insecurities on the path. And there, and well, let me rephrase that. There's insecurities on the path, but they're recognized, they're getting handled. What does that mean? You wake up early in the morning. What does this have to do with anything? Oh, look, try it for three weeks. Try waking up early in the morning, working out. Try eating clean foods. Try those three things and tell me how you feel about your insecurities in three weeks. When you put on three and a half pounds of muscle, you lost six pounds of fat, you're looking healthier, you, you lost the zits on your, on your face. Like these are the things that happen when you started eating clean and working out. So let's try that, clean up your room. You, oh, you're living at home, even better. Cool, clean up your, help your mom clean up. Clean up the house, clean your car, square away your vehicle, shave every day. Then you got whatever your job is, work hard. Work hard at your job, do a kick-ass job. If you kick ass at your job, the chances are you're gonna get promoted. I work with companies all the time. You know what happens to people that kick ass at their job? They get promoted. People that put in extra work, people that care, people that try, they get promoted. You get promoted, you get more money. There's another insecurity, right? I don't feel like I have enough money. You had to scrape too money to get a down payment. So you don't feel like you're rich enough. Cool, work hard. Get promoted. Build up skills. What skills can you use? Are you a carpenter right now? Maybe you could start doing some electrical as well. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe you figure out some kind of side hustle. What can you do? Oh, you're a carpenter all day? Cool, maybe you build some uh, furniture at night. What kind of side hustle? Maybe get, get that going. Get these things going. Get on the path is basically what I'm saying. And let me tell you what, you're in a good spot. Young, healthy, you got no baggage. You know, this, this relationship with this, fee, I'm assuming it's a female, this relationship with this other person, last for one more year. If it would have lasted one more year, now you're 30 years old, now you've got a, a, a kid child payment for the rest of your life or for the next 18 years. You got the, the you, by the way, you can't move anywhere now because there's rules around that. So you got, you got off of this man in a good spot, no baggage. I look at this as a totally positive reset. Totally positive reset. Now listen, this is the thing. You're not gonna go to bed tonight, wake up tomorrow, and then, uh, oh, Jago said it's gonna feel better, but I don't. No, it's, it's a campaign, bro. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take time, but you look up in three months after doing this, I guarantee, I guarantee you're a little bit of a different human. Six months you've been doing this, you've been working hard, you've been eating clean, you've been, you've been staying after work late, asking your boss if you can take over this little project. You start doing that? You're gonna be a different person and you're gonna be set up. Then you'll end up in a nice house and you'll end up with a nice uh, relationship with somebody and you won't have any of this baggage, man. It's a good spot, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you, you mentioned something about skills, like what skills do you have and what skills can you get? Like that's a thing, I think anyway, that a lot of us, um, it's like a mental kind of state where 
you know, it's like, okay, I want to get a better job or something like that, right? We they, You assess your skills that you have and you want to cash in on those skills and get a job or right. whatever. Sometimes if you're in these unique situations where you have a job and you have, you're, you're yeah. de- it's not an urgent like, oh my gosh, they're going to foreclose your house. You got to get money right now. It's not that situation. You have some, a yeah. little bit of wiggle room as far as time goes and yeah. you have a job and, you know, you're just kind of getting your way slowly out. You can look at it as instead of let me cash in on the skills that I have, think of what skills can I get over the course of one, two years even. Totally. And you'll be in about two years of really getting a real skill, like for real though. Like, like, here's a, it may seem like a childish comparison, but it's, it's valid. So what if you started playing a video game? I don't know, Super Tekken, Super Mario Bros. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You start playing a video game and you have two years to get as good as you can at that video game. Right, in two years, you're going to kind of borderline master that game. Cool, but don't do that. Don't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying you have it in you Let's to do. Let's think of something else to do. Yeah, if you got two years, even one year, you'd be surprised if you're like, totally. hey, this is the new skill that I'm going to get. Like, I'm going to for real get for a reason, for a purpose, and make that part of your part yep. of your life. Totally. Bro, in one year, two years, bro, one year, you'll, two be, years, you'll, be, you'll skilled. be ready to go yep. with whatever job you choose, by yep. the way. You want to be an electrician? Start working. Start yeah. figuring that stuff out. Start reading about it. You want to be a locksmith? You can be a locksmith in two years. Yeah, it's but it's endless. The you cool want to be a computer software engineer? Yeah. Learn some code, right? Oh, yeah. Some coding, yeah. some HTML is what we call it. No, that's, that's <laughs> not code. <laughs> Actually, I thought that was code too, but no. hypertext markup language. It's a little bit different. No, nonetheless, yeah, you know the, what I'm saying. The, the point remains. <laughs> you are correct. You want to get good at HTML? Bro, two yeah. years of HTML. Two years of hardcore guitar. You could get pretty freaking good. Yeah. I've seen people get hella good in two years. Oh yeah, so it takes focus. Man. Yeah, if hey, you're on the path. You regard this as something that you are doing now, bro. You'd be surprised. But the the point there is, don't think of it in terms of what skills do I currently have, and I'm only limited right. to that. And saying you're in a position where it doesn't matter what skills you only have right now, you can consider skills that you literally don't even have, and that can be part of your your, yep. your path. You see yep. what I'm saying? Especially if you're like I said, if you're a carpenter. And then you go, oh, I'm also going to learn to do some metal, do some welding. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, now you've got two things that you can do. Oh, well, yeah. Can, they work together. Yeah, too. they work together. Seems I'm building a freaking table that has metal legs and a wooden top. Mm-hmm. And you can cover that whole thing. Yeah. And you're building your repertoire. Yes, I didn't mention jujitsu, by the way, which I should have. But I, 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 yeah, jujitsu is always going to be good. Yeah. It's always going to be good for you. Here's this is kind of a tangent, but and kind of maybe even like a what do you call sacrilegious almost kind of scenario with jujitsu. And this is I've been kind of flashing on this every once in a while. Okay, so jujitsu, a little bit change the subject, but you brought it up. So here's the danger potentially. Tell me if you agree with jujitsu in this scenario. Mm -hmm. Some people get addicted to jujitsu. That yeah. they don't want to necessarily go start looking for new jobs and yeah. do this other stuff. Some people, they don't want to even lift weights or do that kind of, I just want to do jiu-jitsu. It's like, and it was you I was talking to with, like, you get certain, like, activities that spawn, for lack of a better term, bums. Like, yeah, yeah. surf, jiu-jitsu. beach surfing, bums, yeah. surfing, ski bums, ski bums jiu-jitsu bums, where yeah. they don't want it's to. Thing. Yeah. So they just want to do jiu-jitsu. They'll sleep in the in closet the at the gym or something like this. Cause that's all I want to do. But what do you think about that? Cause let's face it. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen to him, but it could. Yeah. You don't have no kids. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that's real. It's real. It's real. Here, here's the thing. If somebody's a jujitsu bum, aren't they kind of stoked? 
They're kind of happy. Yeah, that is a good point. So I don't have an issue with it. <laughs> you know? I look at my friends. You and I both have friends that are jujitsu bums. And, like, they're stoked. And I know good. many of them. Yeah, many oh, of yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, good on them. Yeah. I don't think it's a problem. Hey, if you're fulfilled and have a smile on your face, yeah. positive person, yeah. you know, well, I, I guess so. I Dude, guess you are correct. Just choking yeah. people. It's all good. Yeah. The only reason I, I would think that this might be then again, no, you're right though, right? At the end of the day, you're happy, you're happy. Yeah. There's no such thing. Yeah. Like, but I mean, I was thinking he's he's talking about how he lost his dog, his yeah. house, is this, is that. And if you just do jujitsu only, if yeah, you yeah. become a jujitsu bum, you're not getting any of that stuff back. No, see what I'm saying? No. But you'll be getting like tournaments, be choking people, <laughs> be trying new moves, inventing moves. Yeah, there is that. There'll be fulfillment in other ways. And he's almost 30, so, yeah, there's room for, for being a competitive, making money doing that, potentially. Oh, school owner, right? School. Open your own jiu-jitsu academy. Yeah. All right, there you go. Shaco's advice. Don't worry about that jiu-jitsu. Don't worry about that. All right, next question. I just started my first sales job last October after getting out of the Navy. Fortunately, I was part of the highest producing office in the company. Accountability was the backbone of our operation and hard work was the culture. In January, we had some senior teammates split off unannounced to go start a new market. With them went the culture. My boss noticed my dedication, my application to of extreme ownership. Thanks, by the way. And I was promoted to manager over the sales force. Along with the new promotion, there was a new crew of young, talented, inexperienced team teammates. Most have never been a part of a team or worked as a unit and have, have a hard time seeing the big picture. Although we have had individual sit-down meetings about teamwork and I promoted some young guys into leadership positions, we still display extreme selfishness at times. We are in a desperate need of culture as the old culture isn't catching on. So my question is, where does the team culture come from and how is it developed? Thanks in advance. Bumblebee tuna. Yeah. You know what that's from? Yes. What? That's Ace Ventura Pet Detective 2. You know what? I believe. Uh, I think it was part one because that's when nature calls, right? Part two is nature Which, when nature calls. Oh, yeah. Part one was just Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Oh, dang. Yeah, you might Bumblebee be. Bumblebee Tuna. This is when they're, they're in Africa, right? And these yeah, yeah, yeah. guys are speaking oh. Swahili or whatever. <laughs> You're right. And he's saying it back to them. You are correct. Bro, my friend Tony Tuioti, that was his name. Tony Tuioti is from California, too. Samoan guy. Big Samoan guy. Play, uh, I forget what position he played. But anyway. Samoan? Played. Samoan, yep. And Don't make me tighten you up, bro. <laughs> me and Tulsi are going to go hard in the paint on you. No, we went Let's over that. This. If you're not Samoan and you say Samoan, it, it can kind of bring a little uh, bit of like, okay. you know what I'm talking so about? It what, can. I'm not saying it right. does all the time, but it can. So okay. You're okay. If, you're, if you're not Samoan and you say Samoan, be cool, I think. But didn't, tighten, didn't Tulsi tighten me up? I think we explained it to you thoroughly. No, I think I got tightened up for not saying Samoan. <laughs> All right, yeah, cool. There you go. Nonetheless, well, you're the expert, so what should I say? Tony, you tell me what to say. I, I'm trying to support. I think the you cause. should say whatever you feel comfortable, as long as it's you know respectful and within the bounds of, of appropriateness and how it's supposed <laughs> to be said, for sure. How is it supposed to be said? Right, is the question. I, I said what I said. I said what I said. All right. Nonetheless, Tony yep. would always say like he was like one of these funny guys, you know, mm. and he'd randomly say Bumblebee Tuna. <laughs> Just randomly, you know, like when everyone's like laughing, yeah, yeah. you know, we're having a good time. Yeah. Then it'd be like Bumblebee Tuna, and we'd be like, "What?" But then when I did see it, I, was, I always remembered that. <laughs> yeah, you're correct. I think it is part two. All right. So where did where does culture come from, uh, Bumblebee Tuna? All right. Um, 
bunch of different ways that we need to create culture. Um, culture comes from modeling and setting the correct example. Culture comes from rewarding behavior that supports the culture that we want. Culture f- comes from propagating the history and the story of the culture that we want. And culture comes from making legitimate, physical, actual, quantifiable changes in our team. So the the first one, setting and modeling the example, right? So if you want the culture to be a certain way, you want people to work hard, you want people to team put the team first, guess what you have to do? You have to work harder than everybody else. You gotta put the team first. You gotta show that you're making the sacrifice for the team. And by the way, when you say that the team has a hard time seeing the big picture, whose fault is that? If you're in charge, it's 100% your fault. So we gotta do a better job. You gotta do a better job, because I'm not there with you. You gotta do a better job of explaining the big picture to the team so they see that. Get the the book Leadership Strategy and Tactics, by the way, because that way you can learn the thread of why and you can explain to the team why the big picture is how it's gonna impact them. So number one, you want the culture to be a certain way, you gotta set the example. If you joke around all the time, guess what the team's gonna do? Guess what the culture is? The culture is humor, the culture is funny. If you're serious, guess what the culture is? Culture's serious. If, you're, if you act professional, you show up early to meetings and you look squared away every day, guess what the team's gonna do? That's what they're gonna do. That's what they're gonna tend to do. That's gonna be the culture. So first off, set and model the example. Now listen, don't go so far to the extreme that you're not part of the group, yeah. right? You, need to, you, need to, you might need to slowly change the culture. So if they're late all the time and you decide you're gonna show up early and then when they're late, you yell and fly off the handle and they can't relate to you, you're not gonna change the culture. So also in leadership strategy and tactics is conform to influence. So you're gonna have to make some level of conformity to get them to start moving in the right direction. So you set the example while you set the example close enough that they can see how it relates to them and that it's related to them and that they like it. And then over time, you can, you can morph that. You can move it. You can keep moving those, those goalposts towards an even stronger level of professionalism. So we're setting the example. Number two, reward the behavior. So when someone on the team does something that supports the culture, you let everybody know. You don't go over the top. You don't get all crazy. But you say, hey, Echo, great job. You were super professional at last meeting. That's what we're talking about. By the way, we got that contract. That's awesome what you did. You let everybody know how you did it, why you did it, why that's important to us. And then propagate the history, propagate the story. Right? When somebody does something good, log it down, put it, in the wor- put it in words for everyone to see what happened. Maybe even some of these guys that left you talk about who they were, what they did, why they were able to be successful. So that way there's, hey, that's the core, that's where we came from. The freaking Marine Corps does that. I mean, you, you say you were in the Navy, the Navy does that. You know who John Paul Jones is, right? Why? They told you the story of John Paul Jones. That's what happens in the Navy. They name, we name our ships after our heroes. So everybody knows that's the culture of honor, courage, and commitment. That's what we do in the Navy. That's what they do. The Army does it. The Marine Corps does it. The Marine Corps does it. Awesome. Usually when I talk about culture, I talk about that book that we covered on the podcast called The Squad Leader Comes First. 
or sorry, the squad leader makes a difference. The squad leader makes a difference. And and the reason that's such a cool, impactful document is because it's the Marine Corps propagating the story of the squad leader making a difference, which is the culture that they want in the Marine Corps. It's just a perfect example of it. The squad leader makes a difference. That's what they want. They want the squad leaders to step up and lead, so they tell a bunch of stories where the squad leader makes the difference. Not the colonel makes a difference, not the general makes a difference, the squad leader makes a difference. So when you're a squad leader, you're like, I'm gonna make the difference, I'm gonna lead. That's what they want. Mm. That's a perfect example. So how can you do that with your team? You might have to start creating the history right now, but you can log that down, you can have fun with that. How are you gonna make that happen? Where it starts keeping a scorebook of what everyone did, what kind of, how many deals they did, blah, blah, blah. So that works. And then the last thing is these kind of quantifiable changes to the culture, things that people can see. Here's a real obvious one. Colonel David Hackworth changed, when he was in the Korean War, changed Fox Company to Fighter Company. He changed the name. We're not Fox. In fact, he told the team, he told the team, Fox Company was dead, I told them. That's what he says in the book. Fox Company was dead. Mm. He did the same thing when he was in charge of the 439th in Vietnam, which their nickname was the Hopeless. He changed it to the Hardcore. He changed it to the Hardcore. He imposed that little bit of culture. You know me, I don't talk about imposing things very often because usually it causes some psychological reactance where people reject it and that actually did happen to Hackworth when he had the guys running around saying Hardcore and Rakondo and the officer would respond, no fucking slack. And the some of the draftees kind of rolling their eyes, oh, who's this gung-ho guy? Mm. But over time, it started to take hold. <laughs> it was, it was, think, think about that. Think about the brilliance of saying no fucking slack because the brilliance is it was something that was a little bit edgy and he was making the officers do it. Not the enlisted guys. Mm. He was like, hey, you guys freaking hardcore recondos and the officers say no fucking slack. Mm. So he's, it's like a rebellious thing in its own right. Yeah. Because, you know, what's a life or army guy? He ain't going to say no fucking slack. He's not saying that. Like if you're a professional West Point army guy, hey, gentlemen, you'll salute me with a crisp salute when I walk by and and I'll say good morning, sir, and you'll say airborne all the way, right? Mm. Cool. That's professional. Mm. He's like, no, we're, 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 we're a gang. No fucking slack. You see what he did there? Yeah. It's a little trick. Yeah, it's good. It's a little trick. Because if he would have said, oh, from now on, when you see an officer, you say good top of the morning to you, sir. They're like, dude, that's not even close. But let's face it, it's kind of cool to say no fucking slack. It's kind of cool to say hardcore Rakondo. Yeah. So he's playing it. He's, he's going close enough yeah. to the conformity that he gets those relationships and starts to get influence over them. Yeah. So those are, those. I, I ripped off Hackworth and changed Task Unit Bravo to Task Unit Bruiser. There's no official paperwork on that, by the way, but like the official paperwork about my task unit is called Task Unit Bruiser. Mm. It's, just what, it's just the way it turned out. <laughs> you know, add this individual as a member of Task Unit Bruiser. That's an official paperwork. Mm. It's not an official thing. It is now. <laughs> you see? Mm-hmm. But... I was thinking about this the other day. Imagine J.P. Donnell, his first task unit meeting with me. J.P. Donnell's like 21 years old. He's ready to attack the world. Yep. 
And I come in and I go, hey, we're not tasking a Bravo anymore. We're tasking a Bruiser. Can you imagine how freaking amped up JP Denell was? <laughs> yes, he was telling that story the other day, and I was like, oh my God, he was so fired up. Mm-hmm. What about, so maybe you, maybe you name, rename your team. Maybe you give them a pat. That's another thing. That's another thing. Freaking Hackworth did. Gave his guys a little patch, a little hardcore Rakondo patch. Mm-hmm. We have it on our t-shirt, by the way. Mm-hmm. That little hardcore Rakondo patch. Mm-hmm. So what can you do with your team to give some of those physical, quantifiable changes? And look, you, you can't, this isn't the only thing that can drive it. I didn't say, hey, we're tasking a bruiser, I'll be in at 9.30 tomorrow, gents. No, uh, this is tasking a bruiser, I'll be here at 0500 with the officers doing jujitsu. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's not just mouth, yeah. it's not just lip service. Oh, by the way, we're going to stay late. Oh, by the way, we're going to work hard. Oh, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. So you can't just rename it. Be like, hey, we're tasked, we're tasked you to death and destruction. <laughs> um, I'm heading home early. Right? <laughs> doesn't work. No, not really. You, you can't impose culture, but you can certainly highly influence it. And the more you're part of the team, the more you'll be able to influence it. You can set it in a direction, but it also has to be organic at the same time. Right? It has to be, there has to be some level of buy-in and organic buy-in from the team. If you're trying to make them be something that they're not, it's, look, you can pull it off over an extended period of time, but you gotta capitalize on what they are. Look, when you got a bunch of seals and you say you're gonna be tasking a bruiser, you're tapping into something that already exists with them. I wasn't like, all right, all right, we're chaining it from task unit Bravo to task unit ballerina. Right? Yeah, There's nothing right. to tap you're into. Correct. These yeah. guys would have been like, this is stupid. Yeah. I'm not working for this guy. I'm DOR, right? <laughs> Get this guy out of here. We're firing this guy, whatever. Sure. Right? Yeah. Hey, listen up. This is tasking a ballerina. We don't muster before 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You have to tap into something that's there. Now, it sounds like you got these young, hungry guys that are ready to get after it. Mm-hmm. Tap into that. And you gotta grow it a little bit of a t- at a time. Just a little bit at a time. It's not, you know, you can't wait. Look, you can change the name, mm-hmm. boom, you can do that quickly, but you better back it up with something. Mm-hmm. You can give patches or you can make people earn patches. You can create, you can do this stuff, mm-hmm. but the culture is not gonna change overnight. It's gonna take time. Mm-hmm. And you, as the leader, need to be the one that holds it and pulls it along in the right direction. So that's my culture answer. <sighs> Task unit ballerina coming at you live. <laughs> ha, come in. Next question. Hello, Echo. Hello, Jocko. Last night, my wife and I got into a heated discussion about Uh-oh. school shootings, the safety of our kids, seven, five, and three years old, and what we should do about it. She's talking about putting our kids in private school, homeschooling them, moving to a different state. We're in Dallas. We're unlicensed open carry is a thing. Or moving to Canada. Straight up. Uh, my argument is only is that only 300 kids have died since eight, the 1800 since 1800 in school mass shootings. Sad and tragic, but incredibly low risk. Oh, there you go. That's it settles it, right? You hit her with the facts, hit her with the data, and she's good to go. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, he continues. Her argument is stats don't matter to the mother of or to the mother in Uvalde who had to bury her baby, and I don't want to be that mom next time this happens, and it's happening all. All the time now, July 4th, Chicago. We 
don't normally fight, but I got emotional and I told her she was overreacting. <laughs> Which, surprise, didn't didn't instantly change her mind and might have made the situation a lot worse. <laughs> might, might have. Might. Yeah. I feel a lot of her passion is driven by the media's tendency to hyper-focus on tragedy, tragedies for weeks at a time. Am I wrong? And we should do so. Am I wrong? And we should do something? Any advice would be be welcome. Thanks. All right. Well, it looks like you're kind of learning some lessons here as you went. You know, you 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 realized that um, giving the facts to her it is not going to win an argument. Facts don't trump emotions. Unfortunately, I know they should. And you can be mad at me, and you can vote whatever. Facts don't trump emotions. They just don't. They don't. They don't change people's emotions. You have to talk to people. You have to understand where they're coming from. You have to understand their perspective. Uh, and you also realize that just telling her she's a, <laughs> just telling her she's overreacting that doesn't help either. So, what is my advice in this situation? First of all, you should listen to her, and you should tell her that she's right because she actually is right. It doesn't matter to the mother in Uvalde who lost her child. It doesn't matter those facts that you brought up. The low percentage doesn't matter. So she's right. She's right. Now, if you want to sit there and go, but yeah, the statistically, you want to let your ego drive this discussion? Cool. Then don't just stop listening right now and go carry on in your airborne manner. But it's not working. So what you should do is you should listen to your wife because she's right. She's right. And then you should reflect and diminish. And then you should have some conversations and you should open your mind. And then you should kind of run the pros and cons. And, and run the pros and cons of running out what these options that she's talking about actually look like, right? How much does it cost to go to a private school? How much does it cost to send three kids to a private school? There's a lot of private schools that would wipe out any family's income or at least put a massive dent on their future. So what is it gonna cost? And by the way, where are the private schools? And, and how secure is a private school? Private schools aren't more secure. I don't see, I've, I've been to private schools before. They, they, they weren't more secure. They weren't. They might, there might be less of them and therefore the probability is lower, but this can happen. So, Okay, what is it going to cost to go to a private school? How much security are we actually going to get from a private school? Let's let's run out with that and run it out with an open mind. Be like, okay, here's what we need to sacrifice. Hey, all right, you know how you wanted to get, you know, put an addition on the back of the house? Okay, we, we won't do that, but don't worry, we'll have the kids in a private school, which is the same protection as the public school. But see how I just did that? I started slipping into my own personal attacks. No, yes. hey, here's what's going to cost us. I'm willing to sacrifice this. What you know? What can you sacrifice? You want? I know you wanted to put an addition on the house. We're not going to be able to do that now, but we, that's what we'll take, and we'll get the kids into the school. Oh, by the way, <laughs> when the kids get done with school, I don't know who's paying for college because we won't. The money that we save for college is going to be spent now, so they're going to have to figure out their own way to go to college because we won't be able to support them. whatever. So you got to run these things out and run them out and like let's say let. let Treat it like this is what we're doing. Mm. Oh, by the way, or we're going to move to Canada. What does that even look like? How does that even happen? I have no idea. I don't know how you become a citizen of Canada. I don't know how, I don't know how that works. Mm. But what does it look like? Do we want to live in Canada? Right? Right now you're in Dallas, Texas. You're going to move to Canada. 
This is a huge life changing. What kind of job are you gonna get up there? What kind of job are you gonna get? Do you still have to pay taxes in America? Do you get on their, do you get on their healthcare system? Is that what happens? Do you get on their healthcare system, which now you have to come back to America when you wanna get some surgery done? So let's look at what these things actually would do to our lives. And then let's look at some other things. Okay, well, you know, if those options don't seem like the best plan, what could we do? How about we do a school security review? How about we train our kids properly? How about we teach our kids to be more capable? I know it's hard for a a three and a five-year-old to be more capable, but they're gonna be growing, so what can we do? What kind of training and equipment can we get for the family? What can we do to, to talk to the school about school security? What can we get involved with? Will we get involved with the, the Parent Teachers Association or the school board? Will we start actively playing a role in making sure that this school is safer? And by the way, now you're not just helping your kids, you're helping all these kids. And then you continue to have these conversations with an open mind and figure out a good course of action that actually makes sense. And you should go into this with thinking, you know what, maybe private school is the answer. If you go and tour a private school, hey, here's a good idea, go, take, go tour a private school. Go, go, do, go tour a private school, it's summertime. Say, hey, we're thinking about enrolling our kids here. Can we, can we come down and look at the school? Yep, you go down there and look at the school. See what's happening, see what the deal is. Check the security. Is the security better? Why is their security better? Is it better? What are the teachers like? Are the teachers better? What's the education? Like, like, go, open your mind up and let's go figure it out and have it in your mind that maybe that is a good call. If I went to a private, took my kids to a private school in your situation, I was like, oh my gosh, this is totally protected. They have a great security system. They've got these, you know, armed people on campus. They've got a one way in, one way out. They've got bull plug, like all these things. Hey, I'm, you know what? I'm in. Chances are it's not like that. Or maybe you start looking at Canada and, okay, let's see what it takes. What's real estate cost up there? What are we gonna be able to sell our house for here? Where would we move? What kind of job can I get? How much of a pay cut am I gonna take to go work in Canada where I've been at my current company for this long and I have this seniority and when I go up there, I'm gonna get this kind of job, it's gonna be less, I'm gonna have less, less ownership of what I'm doing. And you start to have these logical conversations and over time, these emotions will start to fade and you can have some real discussions to figure out what the best plan is. So there you go. Listen. Seems like a good choice from for uh, for the most part in most situations. It's Listen, such a right? good such a good choice to say, "Oh, you know what? Hey, hey, honey, let's look at let's look at those private schools. Let's go look at them. Let's mm-hmm. see what's up." Mm-hmm. Not to go, oh, I'm gonna prove you wrong, but let's go see what's up. Yeah. Oh, you have a certain security system that prevents, okay, let's go to the talk of the public school. What do they have? Maybe they don't even know about that security technology. Mm-hmm. Do you want horrible things for your kids? No. Does your wife want horrible things for your kids? No. You both all want the best for your kids. So you're aligned. You're just not quite aligned yet on what the best way to make that happen is. It's because you both lack knowledge. Let's go get some knowledge. All right, last quest. Ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to join the military. I've looked up to you as well as others in the military community. Now that I'm ready to look into which branch to join, so much has started to happen. 
I see a lot of policies in the military in general has started to implement that are making me second guess if I should join. I see it seems like there are they are lowering the standards they have held so high for so long. I don't think any of the branches are weak. And I don't know how else to say this, but my reasoning for questioning if I should join is because I feel my training as well as others might not be what it should be. This makes me wonder if I could trust not only the leaders, but those who'd be around me as well. Is this just is this a justified concern or am I just being ignorant? Well, you're not being ignorant. Um, Let me tell you something. Just a little heads up. The military is not perfect. It's not perfect at all. And it's hard because when you're in the military, you don't have control. And you might end up in a bad situation. And you might fight a war that doesn't make sense. And you might end up getting killed or wounded. Or you might see your friends get killed or wounded. And there are bad leaders in the military. And there are things that happen in the military. Sometimes the training gets weaker. Sometimes they, they promote someone that shouldn't get promoted into a leadership position. All this stuff happens. In the military, by the way, it happens in the government as well. The government, the government is filled with dishonest, corrupt scum. That's 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 who's that's that's what the government. A lot of people in the government are. They're scum. There there's some good people that want to serve, but there's also scum, and that's who you work for. And there's some great people in the military, but there's also people in the military that don't care about you at all. So when you start talking about the policies in the military in general, there's always gonna be policies in the military that you don't agree with. Or that don't seem right. Now, as far as the training goes, um, the, the training, I can just about guarantee you that depending on what you did, the training would be, what what did you use? The standard would be high for the training. (laughs) The standard would be held very high for the training. Uh, I can tell you right now, the SEAL training, I live out here in San Diego, California, which is where SEAL training is. I have friends that work there. SEAL training is brutal. SEAL training is hard. The chances that you would make it through SEAL training are almost zero. (laughs) That's what it is. Because listen, the last few classes of SEAL training have had a 90% attrition rate. And that's a 90% attrition rate of people that actually made it to BUDS, which is already screened out a massive group of people. So if if you took everyone that joined the Navy to try and be a SEAL, that actually made it, it's a tiny number. So the, the, the training is not, the standard is being held, I know for a fact, in SEAL training. The Marine Corps training, some of the adjustments that they're making to the Marine Corps training are outstanding. It's outstanding. I read some articles about the way the Marine Corps is training their troops, and it's awesome. As a matter of fact, honestly, it is looks a lot more similar to the training that I used to put the advanced SEALs through, where you're getting real dynamic force-on-force training, 
with embedded leadership training in there. I was very impressed with what I've seen that the Marine Corps is doing. And I, I'm not quite as in touch with the Army training, but it's all going to be the same. There's going to be, there's, 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 no, there's no one sitting there saying, oh, well, you know what, we're just going to let the standards go. And we're not going to have people ready for combat. And if that does start to happen, guess what? If you don't join, then what are you going to be able to say about it? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. So don't let the rumors about easy training get you down and think that it's not up to your standard. Um, it's very shocking what people can handle. <laughs> it's very shocking. Uh, here I will say this. It is difficult to be an idealist and be in the military. It's, a, it's a difficult to think that the world is perfect and be in the military because it's not. And when you're in the military, that imperfection is imposed on you in many ways. And if you're going to have a hard time dealing with that, then the military is not going to be good, a good fit for you. You have to get in the mindset of controlling what you can control and not getting caught up in things being perfect because they're not going to be perfect. And if that bothers you, then the military is probably not a great fit for you. So I would just keep that in mind, you know? If you look at it and you go, okay, I get it, I get it. Things aren't perfect in the military, but it's a, it's a big, giant organization that in a strategic way is out there trying to do positive things and I wanna be a part of that and it's not gonna be perfect, cool. If you're gonna get frustrated because things aren't the way you want them, it don't, honestly, don't join. You'll hate it. <laughs> I really enjoyed my time. I loved my time in the military. And I also had, I was very, very lucky. I mean, I was lucky I made it through SEAL training. I was lucky. Everyone, that, I'll tell you this, everyone that makes it th through SEAL training is lucky. How you like that? I don't think I've ever said that before. It just occurred to me. <laughs> if you make it through SEAL training, you're lucky. Mm. And, and I'll tell you why. Because you've, slip on a rock in rock portage and your knee is gone. And that can happen to anybody. Any stud athlete, anyone that's totally hardcore, their knee is done and they can never make it through training again. So if you make it through SEAL training, you're lucky. Look, you might have more or less luck than someone else, but if you make it through, you're lucky. And there's probably no one that would deny that. Because every SEAL knows that you can you know, flip over the cargo net and jump off the cargo net a little bit early and blow out your knee and that's that. Doesn't matter who you are. You can get some infection that eats away at your leg. There was a flesh-eating bacteria for a while. Like, it, who, what? Are you gonna get some, you know, some horrible uh, injury? So if you make it through SEAL training, you're lucky. That's one of the scariest things about SEAL training is just the, all the ways you cannot make it. And by the way, still the number one way of not making it is quitting. But no one thinks they're going to quit. <laughs> of course, right? You don't sign that six-year contract, SEAL contract, thinking you're going to quit. But you do. 90% of you do. 
<laughs> so that's some stuff to keep in mind. Let me review this question just to make sure I, I feel like I kind of tangent went went tangent style. Ready to look and see. Sometimes when people actually start looking in the military, they get a little bit nervous too. Mm. So so make sure you're not just kind of make sure you're not just kind of looking for excuses right now. Like I really want to be in the military, but now that I see the the policies in general, it looks like it's easy now. That's mm. a little excuse factor that can happen. Mm. So make sure you're not just making an excuse for yourself. Or if you're making an excuse for yourself, oh, once again, don't do it because you're looking for an excuse for a reason not to do it. Mm. And if you're looking for a reason not to do it, you probably shouldn't do it. But if you're asking a legitimate question, then don't worry about it. You'll be good to go. And that's what I got. I, had to, I kinda had to rise above in the military some stuff. I had to rise above. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say, uh, like if you're an idealist, it's gonna be hard for you. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Like if you go in thinking that the military is perfect yeah. and you go in and everything's gonna be yeah. just, yeah, like you won't find any flaws yeah, in the yeah. system kind of a thing. Like, oh, you know, once I'm in the military, I'll have these perfect leaders. Like, well, yeah, no, yeah, you won't. Yeah. Gotcha. And I'll get the perfect gear. No, you won't. And yeah. I'll get the perfect training. No, you won't. None of that. None of that. You're going to get zero of that. Mm-hmm. You can get zero perfect training. You can get zero perfect leadership. You're going to get zero perfect equipment. Zero. Yeah. And by the way, even if you get like one piece of awesome gear, you're only getting it one and it's going to break and they're not going to have a replacement for you. So like nothing is going to be perfect. Yeah. Nothing in life is going to be perfect, but certainly in the military, in the military, you're a little bit trapped, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why you might almost get that impression, you know, where like, well, mistakes won't get made in the military. It's this big, well-oiled machine. machine. Yeah. Like, um, and you're right, right? Where if in life we can kind of fall into those expectations sometimes when we kind of deep like, you know, the old, this is less of a thing now, but like the idea that, okay, I'm going to get good grades and then I'm going to go to college. And that's, that's like the hundred percent successful path right yeah. there. Yeah. You know, once I go to, to college, be. of course I'm going to get a good job because you know, like it's, it's like, that's like an idealist way of looking at it. Yeah. And then of course now that's not a thing, but we do sometimes anyway, I know I do regard certain like, whether it be bigger entities to have it all figured out and all I got to do is get to be a yeah. part of that entity and I'm good to go, you know, kind of a thing. One well, doesn't work like that most doesn't of the time. Doesn't work like that really kind of anywhere. Yeah. So, so look out, look out. All right, well, everybody, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, appreciate all that support. Yes, sir. Um, for joining us. You know how to support if you want to support us more. <laughs> and you can join us on the interwebs. Just watch out, man. That algorithm is going to grab you by the throat. But even if that algorithm buys, grabs you by the throat, and maybe we get kicked off that whole thing, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Could be could be coming at any moment. We start talking 776, 1776 time, start talking revolution. I was talking about, you know, Rise Above today, revolutionary songs. They might have to shut me down. I don't know. I don't know. But if they do, we'll be right here on the underground. Thanks, everybody. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko out.